0: Pitch Deck Asia. Your story, your words.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pitch Deck Asia. We are live broadcasting to all over Asia. We're on Spotify, iTunes the usual social media platforms and streaming live to YouTube as well. My name is Graham Brown. And in the next 40 minutes, I'm going to take you on a journey with one of our latest startup founders, who's joining us all the way from Kuala Lumpur, Kim Yong Wung, or Kim as he's known to everybody else. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey guys, thanks Graham. Thank you for inviting me to the show. I'm happy to be here, grateful, honored as well. Um, And hey, I'm Kim Yong. Guys can call me Kim, and I'm the founder of Ray Dino.
1: Excellent. It's great to have you here. Are you born and
0: bred in KL? Born and bred in KL, although my name doesn't sound like it. uh, (laughs) A lot of people (laughs) would mention.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're going to talk about career as well, so the connection... Coming up on that in a minute, obviously, it's a, it sounds Korean. We were speculating off air whether or not it was a Korean name. But UKL born and bred, fantastic to have you here. We're going to talk about Red Dino. We're going to talk about the Startup Challenge, which you were involved in Seoul in Korea and the whole journey as well. And maybe we can start with the Startup Challenge just so we can put that into context as well. That's how we're talking with you on the show today. A year ago, take us back, you were involved in the startup challenge in Korea, in Seoul. Tell us a little about this challenge, how you got involved with it, and what the result was.
0: Yeah, so uh, we were in a networking session, I remember. Actually, uh, during a networking session, I met up with this uh, Korean accelerator. And he mentioned to me that in South Korea, there are quite a lot of uh, SMEs who are looking to sell towards Southeast Asia, and that is how I got to know there is a market in Korea to, for businesses like us. And he offered me you know, an opportunity, an opportunity to, to join the KSGC, the Korean uh, Grand Challenge, right? And he showed me the way, he pointed me to the right direction, and that's where I found out the KSGC uh, GC Grand Challenge. And we submitted our, our profile, and try to uh, participate in it. And yeah, fortunately for us, we got selected in the end as the top 40 to be invited towards uh, Seoul. Uh, And yeah, we were there in August up until December. That's where we got then selected as a finalist uh, top 20. In fact, we were in the top 10. And uh, we were supposed to head back to Seoul this year uh, since January until uh, May. But because of the MCO or because of the coronavirus, uh, we were forced to head back to Malaysia uh, earlier than we expected to, and ever since then we have been conducting our businesses uh, from here, uh, liaising with our partners in Korea. Yeah.
1: Excellent. So this is the K Startup Grand Challenge. Took place in 2019. It's taking place again in 2020. Um, Thank you to the K the, the organizers as well for making this happen today and bringing kim to the show so let's talk about the story red dino when did you start this business was this your is are you an entrepreneur by nature were you did you come of the corporate world or did you come out of university tell us a little bit about the background
0: Yeah. so uh red dino was actually founded back in 2016 so it was one year after i graduated from you uh, from uni uh, I studied mass communication back then. I was in an advertising company as an intern uh, after, right after my college. And uh, right after that, actually, I went towards uh, being a driver in Grab. Yeah. So mm. that was a very fantastic moment. Instead, it's a great journey for me to learn about you know, entrepreneurship. Uh, I learned a lot about Grab. I learned a lot about the company. I learned a lot about how they have grown since then. And uh, my, my family, they have been entrepreneurs their whole life. And I thought to myself, you know, why not I do something for myself? And that's uh, when I was thinking what to do and, you know, what, what is there in the market that I could fit in. Uh, my father actually gave me an opportunity to help their company. Uh, their a shoe manufacturing company to start their online business. And that's uh, where I first started in 2016, helping my father's company to bring their shoes online and back then, I was selling in, I think, seven different marketplaces. Lazada, Shopee is one of them. And uh, we have, uh, in local Malaysia, we have Lelong, Zalora. We have uh, a lot of different marketplaces. Yeah. And yeah.
1: Your family was a shoe manufacturing business, and you came yep. in and took it into the digital world. It's a bit like the Gary Vee story, isn't it? Taking the wine <laughs> business online. Yep, what yep, was yep. it like for you, the, the challenge of that? Because I imagine your family had a successful business, and then you came along... And suggested taking it online was it an easy sell for you to do all of that this was digital transformation
0: so it wasn't easy at all yeah it wasn't easy at all because um not sure about singapore but in malaysia traditional business owner they always have this brick and mortar minded way of uh, or even so method in terms of conducting business and to mm. tell them that we are doing everything's digital it, it, it blow them away because they are used to face-to-face communications right? Like even Zoom meeting nowadays, uh, it still blows them away. How could, how could one possibly have a meeting or even a podcast session like this, uh, hmm. where we don't meet each other in the, uh, in real life? And that's where the challenge is. Uh, we have to educate. I have to educate my parents, my family, in terms of, you know, what is the, uh, good ways or what what is the method to sell online? Why do you need to sell online? Looking at, uh, so I gave them an example, of Alibaba back then. So that one they since they have been conducting business with China a lot, so they are quite familiar with Alibaba and what has Alibaba done throughout the year and gave them a bit of motivation in terms of trying out uh, this online business or e-commerce. And yeah, so that's where I got started, where I got the approval uh, or so we speak the green light uh, to to move forward in helping them uh, towards their e-commerce journey. And yeah, uh, in a short period of time, we were selling quite well, especially in Zalora, Shopee and Lazada. Uh, And through word of mouth, my father's friend, who is also a manufacturer in perhaps uh, fashions, apparels, uh, they came to me and asked me, hey, do you want to pick up this as part-time to help me in my e-commerce journey as well? And Mm. uh, shortly, I think within half a year, I have around, uh, I am managing around 10 different client-seller accounts in different marketplaces. And that's where I know that, uh, you know, why not let's just uh, do this as a full-time business. And we hired uh, a few part timers to help me along with that, who became uh, one of my founding team, uh, still with me right now until today. So that is uh, about four years ago. And this this is the
1: classic accidental entrepreneur story. Yeah, yeah. You you didn't set out to create a big platform, you solved one person's problem, and then you discovered there were a lot more people like that. Correct, correct. When, When you were talking to these traditional brick-and-mortar businesses, these contacts of your family, and you were, for the first time, really getting to understand their businesses. What were the kind of challenges? What were the pain points and frustrations that they had? I mean, obviously going digital is part of that, but I think it's a lot more than that, isn't it? There's a lot more that goes into that. What did you understand through spending time with them?
0: Mm, Okay, that's a few things that I uh, understand in terms of uh, back then when I talk to a few of them is that uh, they use papers a lot. So a lot of things are jotted down in uh, not Excel sheets in Microsoft or or even Mac, but in uh, notebooks, right? That is one of the pain points that we have to solve for them, whereby we have to make everything digitalized, inventory systems, uh, their stock inventory, their products code, uh, description details, their products name and such, materials, everything has to be digitalized. So that's one of the major a challenge when I was trying to set up an online e-commerce to say department for them. The second Mm -hmm. thing is they are not used to uh, spending, you know, uh, investing money on photo shooting. So that's one thing that they thought that, you know, only big brands does it. We are just a manufacturer for OEM brands. Uh, We don't do this such kind of thing. So they don't like to invest money on great photography. So that's another challenge because it takes a long time for them to realize people only purchase good looking stuff in, in online. Mm. Yeah, through online people do like... Uh, I, have a, I have a client last time which provided us pictures whereby they took from their phone, right? And the background is just their, 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 their factory. You can see the factory workers walking behind them. And uh, it is just not perfect. The lighting is not there. You couldn't, you couldn't see any details on that uh, piece of products. And they kind of, you know, uh, insist that, you know, I do not want to spend money on taking pictures. For mm. example, uh, a, a, an example that they gave me is that uh, I'm selling these products for maybe 20 to 25 ringgit, ringgit Malaysia. And per products right now out there, if uh, we were to take it for photo shoot, it's around maybe 20 ringgit. So that investment, they are not willing to, willing to uh, make that investment because they think that you know, the photo shooting is even expensive, more expensive than yeah. my product itself almost, but they don't understand that one photos goes a long way. Uh, people yeah. don't just buy one pair of shoes in online. In fact, there are millions of buyers by purchasing your, your product. So a piece of image actually sells itself after you place it online. So it takes a lot of time to educate them, yeah.
1: Well, the education really is it's the shift in the mindset, isn't it? From yeah. their business world, most of their business was done through analog through meeting people face-to-face through relationships and therefore the trust was built in those relationships whereas what you're doing is taking them into new markets where there is no existing trust they yeah. may not know who these manufacturers are and therefore seeing the product is a key part of that trust building as well right. so let's let's sort of dive into the, the pitch deck if we can and have a look a bit closer at red dino understand some of the numbers of just how big this market really is mm-hmm. so and bearing in mind that some people will be listening to this on audio so they won't see the data flashed up so we'll have to be a bit descriptive so if we can have a look at the pitch deck and then maybe have a look at slides three and four we've got the size of the market here so we start with this one here market potential lazada one hundred sixty thousand plus sellers shopee 1.6 million users geographically what market are you talking about here and how does this fit in with red dino
0: so this is uh malaysia market itself and Malaysia is one of the fastest growing in terms of seller, merchant base uh, for both Lazada and Shopee. And uh, just three years back, uh, Lazada only have, I think, around 40,000 sellers on their platform. And right now they are about fourfold of it, 160,000 plus sellers. And this is uh, recorded back in 2019. So we are not, I'm not too sure how many sellers they have right now in their platform. Mm. But that's the amount of sellers that are getting on board. So why is it relevant to us is because... Uh, uh, first thing, uh, we, Lazada sellers are also our targeted audience. That's one. And, and the other thing is it creates a certain urgency for, for you know, offline sellers or retailers, manufacturers um, right now to understand that you know, people are getting on board with marketplaces to sell online uh, and you are falling behind already, consider. So you, know, you have to be online right now, especially during this period of time. And as for Shopee, they have the biggest uh, user database compared to Lazada. That is because every uh, users who sign up with Shopee are eligible to uh, sell a product. So 1.6 million users is equivalent to 1.6 million sellers, but Mm. not necessarily equal to uh, legitimate sellers or brand sellers. So they have maybe around 3% of the users who are... Um, uh, long-term sellers who are serious sellers who are selling products in shopee
1: and the rest are hobbyists it sounds, yeah maybe. and the rest are well,
0: what, mm-hmm.
1: what are they typically like can you maybe give us a pen profile of a lazada seller and a shopee seller what kind of people are they are they you know what kind of backgrounds are they like the you know your parents business or you know their your parents friends in or are they different
0: uh, so there are a few type of category in terms of uh, being a Lazada or a Shopee seller. And uh, we have, currently we do have uh, brands that went into Lazada and Shopee as a brand seller. So definitely Lazada, ha- Lazada and Shopee have brand sellers inside, like for example, Nike, Ray-Ban. Uh, but I would say 80% of sellers are more towards part-timers, manufacturers and uh, you know, housewife or even housewife that they are trying to find an extra income. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm.
1: So, are they, um, you know, e- even these sort of part timers, mm-hmm. are they generating like real business or are you just focused on mainly the brands? I mean, typically, who are the people you work
0: with? Um, in the beginning of my journey of, of Rate Down, we focused a lot on manufacturers. So uh, we try to onboard as much manufacturers as we can during that time, especially in the fashion industry. But we quickly branch out to uh, authorized sellers, authorized brand sellers. For example, we have clients in, uh, who are selling air conditioner, uh, fridge, or even uh, televisions uh, for major brands. And then right now, uh, in terms of Reddano, we are currently serving quite a lot of uh, corporates corporate sellers uh, who have office uh, all around Southeast Asia. We are trying to Mm. set up a presence for them throughout Southeast Asia, uh, meaning Lazada, Malaysia, Lazada, Singapore, Lazada, Thailand. So uh, we are doing that for a lot of corporates right now. But uh, most of the time people who inquire with us, uh, people who look up to us uh, and, and ask for a service would be, uh, small-time sellers, I would say, uh, retailers who maybe have just one shop uh, in Malaysia, who are selling maybe groceries or even uh, bakery products. So most of the people who need our help, I would say, are those uh, small-time retailers, small-retailer SME instead of corporates. Yeah, because they are the ones who are really lack of demand manpower or even the time uh, to, to do this kind of thing, to, to venture into this e-commerce
1: Absolutely. Well, let's wrap all those up together and have a look at what the problem is that they're facing. Back into the pitch deck, slides five and six. We can flash those up so we can see. Mm -hmm. Like you say, they don't have the time and scale as well. I mean, going back to your paper notebooks,
0: that's certainly not scalable. You
1: can't transfer that information. And on the second slide as well, we can have a look at that one quickly. We'll just get all the data points out. Um, You know, where do I start which would be one of the frustrations. Um, what do I do with different markets where language is an issue? How do I manage inventory? You know, how do I match like real inventory with online inventory? Correct. All these kind of issues, and you know, what kind of skills do I need? So let's all sort of package all of these up. What, typically, what are the major problems that stops people getting onto all these different platforms? And, and do these platforms have different requirements as well? Does that make it hard to interface
0: between them all? Mm-hmm yeah platform does have different requirements uh, in terms of so the basic knowledge in terms of selling in online e-commerce is to upload your products right that's that's the first step that you have to have have to know how uh, when you want to start selling and different platform will have different requirements uh, when you upload the products onto their platform. So that's one of the major problems. Uh, I think most of the time uh, our clients' major difficulties in terms of uh, Uh, going e-commerce is the lack of time and the lack of manpower or even knowledge to 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 start doing correctly so we do have a few clients come with us that already selling in lazada or shopee but when we review their shops when we review their seller's account it is uh, quite a mess and uh, they did not have the right tools to help them or to not have the right direction in terms to help them uh step the right you know the first step is always very important that's what i always tell my client so yeah i think the lack of time and lack of knowledge would be the main uh, will be the main difficulties that 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 stop them from joining e-commerce
1: what does that produce what are the experiences that that manifests when they don't have the lack of time and the lack of knowledge and they do like you say have a messy e-commerce website what tends to happen then do they yep. just simply just turn it off, or does that sort of back up with other problems?
0: Yeah, so I think uh, to describe that, uh, we'll have to have we we'll have to talk about a little bit of how marketplace works, right? So a lot of marketplace they, they they market themselves as an easy platform for any sellers to join on board and start selling. So that is one of their marketing uh, way of you know finding new merchants. But the truth is, uh, like any other search engine. Or like just like any other uh, search engine uh, algorithm, uh, Lazada and Shopee have them too. And when I talk about messy, when I when I when I talk about them being messy, is uh, they do not have the keywords that directly reflect what they are selling. Which uh, one it does not allow people to search their products in in marketplaces. It it does not appear even in Google search. So it is very hard for them to gain any tractions or even traffics uh, from marketplaces. Uh, Second of all, uh, as I mentioned previously, uh, the pictures that they use uh, are pretty unattractive sometimes. And it doesn't uh, tell the stories. And then third of all, one of the major, one of the main thing is that uh, when I talk about lack of time is because they do not have the time to communicate with Lazada and Shopee although it is still a marketplace, a digital e-commerce uh, platform for you to sell your products. But in, in RedDino, we do a lot of communications with Lazada and Shopee team to make sure that our, our seller's products stay relevant in their page, uh, in Shopee platform, to make sure that they are exposed to the campaigns and uh, promotions that Lazada and Shopee are both uh, organizing. So these are some of the things that a lot of uh, SMEs out there does not know that they can be doing or they should be doing. Uh, Plus, they do not have the time to even explore this piece of uh, material provided by Lazada and and Shopee. And it is not easy, I would say, it is not easy to get a hold uh, of Lazada and Shopee account manager uh, when you want to. So these are some of the things that we also help our clients on. Yeah.
1: Mm. Is it constantly changing as well? I mean, you mentioned algorithms and accounting. Correct, managers,
0: correct. Yeah, it's constantly changing. Some
1: people are getting left behind as well. Correct, I
0: correct.
1: Yeah. So, can you give us an example of that? I mean, we'll look at the solution in a minute, but what would that be without getting into too much technicalities? It's like, for example, would they favor one keyword? and then change the algorithm and favor another keyword or is it that would they favor a certain type of seller how, how is that changing obviously it happens all the time with google yeah, but yeah. what's happening on these
0: platforms yeah so google is a much more complex uh, system right but lazada and shopee they are pretty uh, straightforward uh, they do favor certain keywords for your type of uh, depends on what kind of category you're in so they do favor a certain type of keywords but to get to the top of the page, for example, uh, your products. If you want it to be on the top of the page, you have to fulfill a few uh, requirements that is different that are different in both platforms, both Lazada and Shopee. Uh, so, for example, in Lazada, uh, the keywords text to be it has to be appear in both uh, title, your descriptions, your highlights, and then your pictures have to be uh, relevant. Uh, what is the size of pictures? What is the uh how does your pictures looks like is your pictures uh in your descriptions and then also they also favor uh sellers who has bought ratings uh, who are much more active when it comes to joining campaigns so if you are active in their platforms uh, the algorithm actually favors uh, Mm. your products even though if there's no one bought it yet or no one bought it before so this is some of the thing that uh, we, in our, in our team, help our clients with uh, to make sure that they stay relevant to the platform, uh, both Lazada and Shopee, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, let's have a look at the platform itself that you have the solution. So if we can have a look at the, the pitch deck in slides seven and eight, we get a better idea visualizing it. Um, so this is, I guess, where you, you're a lot more hands-on, the services side. And we can have a look at the the other page as well. Page eight and your platform as well. So is there two parts of the business? Do you have like an agency side and a platform side or is it all, you know, does the the agency that is more sort of a hands-on onboarding with clients, how does it work? Help us understand the setup.
0: Yeah, we do have two parts of the business. Uh, We started off with, like I said, the setup and the retainer part. Uh, So that's our core service uh, where we help uh, manufacturers SMEs to set up their e-commerce account in different marketplaces and then we retain from them. We manage their e-commerce like an outsource partner. And uh, the technology comes behind it. So our team uses this technology, DynoSync, uh, in-house developed technology, to sync between uh, Lazada and Shopee to make sure that their inventory, their orders are all captured in one platform. So make it easier for our clients to check out their business uh, uh, sales, their inventory, as well as the orders that comes mm. in. They can. Uh, directly process the orders in one platform so at the same time uh, we do have this as a different branch of business model where we uh, allow public to subscribe it and use it themselves if they for example they are able to handle it for themselves they can use this dynosync to sync their products uh, between multiple platforms to manage their inventories and their orders
1: So the the SaaS platform, DinoSync, that is publicly available. That's on a subscription service. Yep, yep. That, I guess, came out of the original business, which is like you were identifying problems and pain points of vendors. And then you were manually solving them. And then you thought, actually, if we built a tool here, that would help scale this so we can solve this, not just for one person, but for potentially thousands, right? Exactly, yep, yep. Okay. I mean, it's a, it's a classic story in the sense that a lot of SaaS platforms came from agencies, right? That people have these visions of billion-dollar SaaS platforms. A lot of them came, I mean, even, you know, think of people like MailChimp as an example. They came from that sort of very manual hands-on service at the beginning because the, the biggest Problem here with building a successful SaaS platform is understanding what the problem is. It's not necessarily the technology, but it's understanding what problem are we trying to solve here.
0: Yep.
1: Yep. Because it's easy to build stuff that has no problem. You know, you can find a solution, but is there a problem behind it, right? Yep. So help me understand as well the journey here with your solution. Is that you have two parts of the business. Um, you you have these retainers with. Merchants, and then you have the SaaS platform as well. Help us understand, like, the scope of where you're operating at the moment in terms of, you know, who you're working with, the size of the markets, and what your plans are from here.
0: Yeah. So uh, technically, we we focus a lot on our retainer part. Uh, mainly, uh, also after the KSGC platform, we realize a lot of people requires management uh, services instead of just uh, Know, take this platform and do it yourself way uh, so we focus right now at this current moment we focus a lot on our retainer part uh, in terms of dino sync it is still uh available for public to subscribe uh, but in a way we stop we actually stop uh continued uh, what we call develop it in terms of new features because uh, the problems that we wanted to solve initially with the software is actually uh, all inside the technology already so it's all in the platform already and our 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 team is actually using our Dynosync uh, to manage our mm. clients right now so yeah we focus a lot uh, on the retainer part because we do have a few big projects that uh, came in just recent months whereby we need to put in quite a lot of manpowers on it
1: yeah yeah it seems like for you DinoSync is almost in your setup your own secret weapon so you would use that to service your clients better really that seems to be the main reason for it as well yeah okay and help us understand before we talk a bit about the journey itself that you've been on that the way e-commerce is evolving especially here Mm -hmm. in southeast asia Mm -hmm. like if you go way back way way back like in the olden days of e-commerce we had for example amazon and then we had ebay which are really the front runners of a lot of what we have now and then obviously alibaba and aliexpress came to the the and we had lazada and then you have Shopee as well, which has had huge success in the region. Mm-hmm. And what are your thoughts for the future? What are you seeing like trend wise in e-commerce? Like where does Instagram come into this mix? Is that a valuable player in e-commerce in the region? What about TikTok? Are we going to see a next generation of platform emerge? Or do you think there's so much growth in these existing platforms and that, that the way that they're going that we don't need to worry about those new entrants?
0: I think uh, not to say we shouldn't be worried about those new entrants, but we should be uh, aware of it. We should keep an eye of, on, on them. But in a way, Southeast Asia still has lots to grow uh, in terms of e-commerce. Uh, if usually what, what I tell my clients is so when, when they ask me, you know, what do you see the future of e-commerce? I would say, look at how Amazon is doing or even how Alibaba is doing. That would be our immediate future for the next maybe five to 10 years. Uh, it's just that we are currently falling behind uh, comparing to Amazon and even Alibaba, right? And that is where Lazada and Shopee is uh, trying to create a platform to bring us towards that uh, that stage. And locally uh, in Malaysia, one of the major uh, challenges for us to move forward as an e-commerce player is our career services, right? We are still not as strong as uh, say Amazon mm. and Alibaba. So, so yeah, we do, we still have a lot of uh, place to improve on in terms of e-commerce journey. So uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely
1: right with the logistics side as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That seems to be, cause if you think about it that in the US or maybe Japan and even in China now you can get same day delivery.
0: Correct, correct. From Amazon yeah. or
1: Alibaba. But here yeah. in, in Singapore it's five days on average it seems to be what's going on there is that simply the last mile logistics that i guess that's not an issue with the the merchants is it
0: it's not an issue with the merchants instead it's the issues of the sudden surge of demand i would say Uh, because in this past three years uh, i think e-commerce has surged up quite high compared to the last for example five to ten years Mm. and uh, career services typically they could not handle the kind of demand Uh, which makes delays on the uh, shipping services, the time, the last mile. And although Lazada and Shopee has been promoting, you know, uh, one day, first 24-hour delivery uh, coming soon in their platform, but I would see it, uh, I don't think it will happen within this year or even the next. Mm. Yeah, probably, yes, the next year, but it still depends on how... uh, how we overcome this current pandemic, right? And yeah, so the demands are really high in terms of e-commerce. That's where the growth uh, of uh, e-commerce are. But in terms of the last mile delivery, we are still catching up. uh, Our career services are still working very hard in terms of catching up to that kind of demand. Yeah, unlike for like you said, uh, um, Amazon or even Alibaba. I remember Mm. in Guangzhou, uh, I ordered something and it arrived at my doorstep within like four hours so that was yeah. crazy yeah so uh, I mean that, it takes, that's a yeah. lot to
1: do with the the state the maturity of the market isn't it as well but correct, correct. the fact that you have if for example Shopee and Lazada the next growth story is the, the the other 500 million people still to use the platform then they will chase that rather than the the four hour last mile delivery that will exactly. be the second thing that they'll chase yeah
0: yeah because okay. one thing is, yeah, I think I realize uh, in terms of Malaysian, uh, our shopping habits also have to change if we want that to to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tend to go for cheaper products uh, most of the time. And shipping fees are one of the concerns that a lot of us as a buyers, will go like, oh my God, the shipping is so expensive. I'm not going to get that. So I think in a way, uh, if buyers are willing to pay more, in the shipping for faster delivery. Yeah, I think that can come as well. That can come sooner as well. Yeah, okay. that's my that's my opinion.
1: And what's happening now that you've mentioned the pandemic, we're recording this right in the middle of it, is how has e-commerce changed both on the consumer side, like you talk about habits and also the supplier side in terms of what's happening from your mm-hmm. merchants? What, what have you noticed as, as, as distinct trends as a result of the pandemic uh
0: in terms of e-commerce i would say most of my merchants are doing uh extra it's like extra well during this time i would say so and one of the major trend uh, it's a funny one in malaysia itself is that people are buying a lot of fridge so that that that's just uh, one of the fun facts i think a lot of fridges (laughs) yeah so fridges so they they one of my clients was selling, which Are actually, uh, actually selling, I think 200% in terms of search in their profits. Yeah. So they are selling really well in this MCO, but yeah, uh, in terms of, uh, the overall market, uh, I think people will take e-commerce much more seriously, especially, uh, the traditional, uh, SMEs and mm. traditional manufacturers. Uh, because we have been getting quite a lot of uh, requests, quite a lot of uh, chats, inquiries, uh, asking us how can they, as a manufacturer or as an SME, are able to join the e-commerce. Even industry uh, like food, groceries, frozen foods are looking towards adopting new uh, business model for this e-commerce. And I think this is a good start, right? This is a really good start for them to move forward uh, towards this digital market. And, yeah. and push forwards uh, to a greater high in in this e-commerce industry. So, yeah, in terms yeah. of e-commerce, I think this pandemic has been doing quite well uh, for them.
1: Yeah, It's giving them the urgency, Correct. which is important. Yeah. And that urgency is often the bump required to nudge people into action. Exactly. And not necessarily just as a stopgap until we return to quote-unquote normal, but really to get them thinking about options Mm long-term because obviously we don't know what the future is like and this makes sense for them, regardless of pandemic or not. So thinking about your journey as well, Kim, four years in the game, obviously the last few months for you, um, you know, We don't want to be celebrating obviously because people are yeah. suffering at this stage, but it has been good But I think that is the key is that you are a digitally native company mm-hmm. And therefore you will do well when there are these kind of Exogenous shocks as the economist calls these these black swan events, you know, it will shift in your favor long term Four years in the game though. I bet you've learned a lot. Tell us share with us if you will like, you, what do you know now about e-commerce four years into the Red Dino journey that you didn't know in day zero before you started?
0: Mm, uh, there are quite a lot, actually. <laughs> Please honest, share that,
1: mistakes as well. We want to know. We've all all good entrepreneurs make mistakes.
0: Yeah, uh, I think I think one of the main thing in terms of what I learned uh, having this business or being an entrepreneur is that. Whenever in a business in anything that you do, uh, make changes that will that you think will last you forever, right? Uh, don't don't make don't pivot a business uh, because of what has happened currently. Instead, pivot a business that can benefit you in the long term. So that's one thing I I, I learned when I try to get my father on board this e-commerce. I I gave them the idea. Uh, of uh, long-term business instead of just why now, why uh, why starts now and why is it important right now? I gave them an the importance of why is it important in the future. So that's one thing I learned being an entrepreneur. And in terms of e-commerce, uh, once I got in, uh, I got to understand a lot of uh, the ecosystems around it. So in e-commerce, I don't think uh, we are not all competitors in e-commerce. Uh, instead, we are all partners. And we, we definitely are able to cross-sell each other's products and uh, uh, bring beneficial uh, uh, intents to different merchants, different sellers. That's one of it. And uh, uh, a lot of things uh, happens between uh, all around e-commerce. It's not just one man job. So in the beginning, I thought e-commerce could be done with just a simple uh, few clicks uh, in front of your laptop, but it's not. It involves photographies, involve content mm. writings, involve uh, marketing, involve a detailed plan of you know how do you want to market your products, your brand awareness uh, in, involve even search uh, engine SEO google's all these are really new to me when I was uh, when I first started uh, this e commerce journey so even though I studied mass communication, but uh, throughout my education throughout my uni, I learned about billboards, television. Uh, TV, uh, advertisement instead of social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, Google. So these are some of the things that I think anyone who wants to go for e-commerce have to take note about because it's not only about selling online, but it's about creating uh, a cycle, a full cycle of how uh, you create a brand awareness, how you gain your traffic, and then how your buyers can come back and purchase from you. After, mm. after the process. Yeah, so Absolutely. it is a full cycle. that is, that yeah.
1: experience as well. I've got a question here. I was going to ask you a question before we jump into talking a bit about your team as well. question from one of your guests today, one of your audience, Alex Co, asks, uh, how do you ensure customer service? I guess this is what we're talking about, isn't it? Is that mm-hmm. the experience in customer service is key. I guess the fear that most people have of e-commerce is you're dealing with some faceless merchant. Yeah. that you may lose your money. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on customer service in the grand scheme and how do you ensure it works and how do you train
0: your merchants? Yeah, uh, so for, in the case of Lazara and Shopee, actually they created quite a lot of tools for us to be in touch with the customer uh, through live chat. And this is one of the way that uh, I always ask my merchant to always uh, take note on your live chat. If there is something technical questions uh, or there is any questions at all try to reply them within half an hour because uh, that half an hour might you know cost you your sales or even cause you to lose your this lose him or her as your buyer and that's one of it the second of it is uh, we do a lot of customer engagement services uh, with our team here uh, meaning anyone who add to cart add your products to cart or even add your products to wish lists your followers uh, we can reach directly to their Inbox into in-app inbox, and you know do a gentle reminder on how things are going. Is there anything that we can help them with? And to make sure that they understand that it is not a robot talking here, it is a human speaking to you, uh, uh, just from another devices. And uh, the third thing that I always ask my merchants to do is that to always include a thank you note in their parcels. Mm. So that is uh, very It's a very simple steps but a very humane touch right so people want to feel appreciated like okay thank you for your work you know and give them a direction uh, point them to a place whereby if they have any complaints or anything they want to ask don't be afraid to provide that phone number so that is also you know speaking of which that is also one of the challenge uh to brick and mortars right because they often does not like to provide phone numbers or even uh, emails to their customers uh, so in, in digital case, I think it's very important to have that, uh, to, to, to make sure that your buyer knows who to contact or uh, to make sure that they know that they are not out of reach after they receive a products from yeah, you. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely.
1: And the key then is they become repeat buyers and that's how Correct. you build a yeah. business, isn't it? All right. Um, rounding up, let's talk about your team. And your plans for expansion as well, because you are interested in recruiting new talent to your team as well. If we can flash up the the pitch deck on slide nine, um, these are the main people in the team. Obviously, if you're watching this, you can see the, um, I guess, the management team here. Obviously, Kim on the left as well. Kim, help us understand, before we talk about what you're looking for as well, um, what, do you do? How do you spend most of your day? How do you fit into this? Obviously, you're the founder. Mm -hmm. But what do you do? What does that entail? How do you divide your time? What is it taking up with? Mm,
0: Sorry. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I think uh, I still do quite a lot of sales uh, currently in in terms of uh, bigger corporates. They usually, uh, usually I would be the one following up with them. But uh, we do have a weekly meeting uh, to catch up with uh, the marketing side as well as the operation side to make sure everything is uh, going smoothly with the clients and the merchants. Uh, I still keep a very close communication with, my, with almost all of my team as we have a WhatsApp group that, that keeps us uh, in loop of whatever is happening. So usually what I do during the day is... Uh, uh, chat with new clients and definitely business development in, in in creating more opportunities, more partners opportunities. Which uh, you mentioned just now, we are looking for partners who, you know, who are willing to join us uh, to create an ecosystem whereby uh, we can provide a comprehensive solution. So right now, I'm currently talking with multiple uh, social media management companies, logistic companies, or even career services. Uh, to make to 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 allow more services or allow more uh, deals or promotions provided by them for our clients. So mm. that is part of my part of what I do in the daily uh, routine.
1: Specifically, is there a particular type of type of company you're looking for that has a, a solution or maybe have access to certain resources or people that would really help expand
0: that you could partner with? Yeah. So I think. Uh, Most of the time, we would look for, uh, I would say, organizations like, uh, for example, in Malaysia, we have the SME corp, corporations, whereby they act as a support uh, to SMEs around in Malaysia or to to give them services that they might not know about, like this kind of this kind of company that i would like to talk talk to them about with Uh, we also like to talk with social media uh, management companies who can create uh, you know bundle packages for our clients to conduct social media marketing throughout facebook instagram uh, and even google seo so these are the few partners that we are looking currently because uh, mm. we have already found a few logistic companies uh, to be our partners but you know logistics are still welcome uh, to 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 talk with us because we we are always happy to explore more
1: okay and geographically any guidance on where you would like to talk to these people obviously malaysia
0: any obviously other markets? Malaysia, yeah yeah but we are talking to people with uh, singapore mm. a company in singapore as well as thailand right now so okay. we are expanding towards to thailand uh and singapore uh in terms of helping our clients uh, and our merchants to create their uh, online presence locally there yeah
1: excellent exciting times kim thank you so much for joining us today on pitch deck asia what is the best channel for people to get in touch with you what do you prefer do you prefer linkedin email what works for you uh
0: linkedin email actually both works for me but okay. it will be best yeah it would be best if it's just uh linkedin because i we have direct chats from LinkedIn anyway.
1: Excellent. Yeah. So it's Kim Yung Wong on LinkedIn under Red Dino. That's Kim Yung Wong, everybody, or Kim as he's known from Red Dino. Thanks for coming and sharing your story with us today. Quick shout out to the website as well. Can you give us the website link for Red Dino so we can find it?
0: Yeah, it's www.reddinoventures with an s com.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. So go and check that out. Or reach out to Kim on LinkedIn if. A, you enjoyed the story today. You enjoyed listening, watching Pitch Deck Asia and were inspired by his journey. And B, if you are interested in the partnership opportunities that he's talking about as well, we'd like to learn a little bit more about how you could collaborate on growing that ecosystem here in Southeast Asia. Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you to the audience as well and the questions. Really enjoyed that. Looking forward to seeing you at a future um pitch deck asia as well maybe let's see four years let's not leave it a love of four years before you're on here again and we'll hear about your journey as well in the future so thanks for coming today
0: thank you thank you graham thank you
1: that was pitch deck asia my name is graham brown pitch deck asia is a platform to give startups in asia a voice we give them a show to help them tell their story and if you love these startup stories and like hearing more about the journeys of the founders. Go and check out our SoundCloud channel, which is available at pitchdeck.asia slash SoundCloud. That's pitchdeck.asia slash SoundCloud. Head along to the channel, subscribe, follow us, and feel free to leave a comment or a rating on our channel as well. We'd love to hear your feedback.